What's happening, everybody? This is Todd Wilson with another episode of Elevate Your Game. Today we have husband, yeah, new father, senior reporter for SB Live, Tark. What's up? Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me in, man. I've been watching the episode. Like, okay, I, I'm I'm ready for the big first question. I'm looking <laughs> at the wall. Hit me with it, man. There you go. First question. Favorite who movie of all time and why? I mean, I'll I'll, I'll I'm not gonna bury the lead here. It's white man can't jump. Uh, for me, Billy Hoyle, just the backwards hat, the everything about that movie. That's one of those movies. There's few, I think, that we have in life where it doesn't matter what point you might come across it when you're watching TV, you will just pick up where you. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. There's only 15 minutes left. Whatever. I'm watching. You know. You just watch the rest. So white man can't jump is is up there for me. Um, love the air up there. Coach Carter, I think, are kind of some honorable mentions. And, of course, Love and Basketball. Right. Can't go wrong with that one. But for me, it's it's, it's why I man can't Absolutely. Jump. Did you ever dunk in your day? I did. I actually, it's funny. I was just, uh, just this past weekend, I was doing, uh, I do shows on the weekend for CBS. And uh, some of the guys in the production room and Sua Cravens, who played at SC, who's on the show with us, they were asking about, like, hey, man, what was your game like? I'm like, dude, I could actually get up a little, you know? Yeah. And so there was this YouTube video of me like getting doing dunks and stuff like that, and they were all pleasantly surprised. But yes, um, I, I I don't know if I was the antithesis of that title, <laughs> but I could certainly get up a little bit back in my day. Awesome man, awesome. <laughs> play play with you many times. Yeah, man. yeah, always yeah. fun. Great basketball player. He's he's actually you actually taught me some things on the court. Oh, back stop! In my ball hogging stop, days. Stop! <laughs> stop! Like Todd, pass it. That's what he taught me. <laughs> oh, okay, okay. Yeah, that, now that might be true. Yeah, that might be true. <laughs> Absolutely. So. We like to roll right into it, man. When did you fall in love with basketball? You know, it's a, whew, uh, I grew up, um, I grew up playing soccer. Soccer was my first love. My dad, a lot of people don't know this. My dad grew up, uh, my, my parents got divorced when I was little. And then my dad uh, was born and raised in Syria, born in Syria, raised in Lebanon, but grew up most of his life in London. Mm -hmm. So about two years old, my parents got divorced. He went back to London where he basically lived most of his life. And the reason I bring that up is because at five or six years old, every summer, every other Easter, and every other Christmas, I would get put on a plane mm. and flown to London to visit my dad. So my first unaccompanied minor flight to London, I was five years old. So I've been on seven triple seven jumbo jets, seven forty seven jumbo jets. So I was five, six years old, in and out of airports. You have a stewardess that's with you. You're right. unaccompanied minor. You always have someone holding your hand, but. I bring up that story because soccer was really my first love. My dad would take me to English Premier League games. I grew up a Chelsea oh, fan going to Stamford Bridge. And that was, okay, soccer, soccer. So that was my first um, love in regard to athletics and professional sport and being in the stadium and seeing it and going, wow, this is making an impression on me. So I grew up playing soccer, club, travel, pretty good. But then about middle school, junior high, basketball came around and I just thought, wow, this is fun. And that all, that was like at recess lunch. I, I never played organized basketball until I was about sixth, seventh, eighth grade, really a yeah. late bloomer per se, but I had the athleticism. I picked it up, but what, what made me fall in love with basketball, believe it or not, was practice. And this is why not a game soccer practice. Yeah. Not a game, <laughs> not a game, <laughs> but practice soccer practice sucks. Soccer matches, playing in a game, trying to score goals is a blast. Soccer practice, horrible. A lot of footwork, a lot of one touch, a lot Got of it. running. It's training. It, it, mm -hmm. It's not fun. Basketball practice, if you got a good coach that knows what he's doing and can keep the players engaged, you're basically competing at 
everything you do. Shooting, shell drill, don't let the offense get the ball in the – I mean, you can think of a million ways to make a game out of a drill or in a way that – so that to me was like, okay, I'd rather be doing this every day than touching cones and working on footwork. And so I would say about – long-winded answer, but junior high is when I really started to get into basketball. And, um, yeah, I think it's because of practice. It's because I was what I was doing every day that became more fun and appealing to me. Man, you fell in love with the grind. And yeah, that's, that's, that's really very, what it was. It's very rare. Actually, everyone who said in this chair says, like, between two and five years old. Mm-hmm. And so I didn't pick up a ball until I was 11. Okay. Well. So I was a late bloomer to the sport mm-hmm. as well and fell in love with it later on. But, you know, fell in love with it. So – and then there's the other thing is this I want to mention about soccer. They're trying to change that. So there's a, a place called Play Academy. Okay. And they are implementing this guy from, he might be from London. Ah, where is he from? Lee is from, I can't remember, somewhere in Europe. But he's developed multiple pros by using competitive games in soccer instead of skills. He's a believer in just play the game and I teach you the skills inside of the game. Correct. And so there, there's some philosophies out there with soccer now where it's less boring. But... I understand. Yeah, too. that's why yeah. I couldn't play any other sport. I mean, it, you know, and it's like I'm just trying. You know, again, for me, my 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 experience, like with baseball, just uh, there's so many aspects. That's where I think coaching at the really young level matters because at the end of the day, when you're talking about little ones, you got to keep them engaged. Yes, and I'm talking about little ones like 10, 12 years old. You're still little, yes. and if it's not if it's not engaging, if you're not having fun at practice, it's like, why am I out here? 100%. So uh, that that was a big reason why basketball became a true love of mine. Awesome. So playing in middle school, what was it like? Where where did you develop? Were you did you have a trainer? Did you go? Did, was it the practice only? And um, did you play AAU ball during? No. Time? And so uh, all the way through high school, never played one bounce of AAU basketball. You know, raised by a single mom, so she didn't know. She she would tell you uh, in the debate of nature versus nurture. Definitely, she's like nature all day long. Not a sports forward person. I, came from a sports family if anything baseball was more so my uncles played baseball and stuff like that but no one played basketball no one played soccer so I think just by the atmosphere I was in at school PE things like that educators that influenced me coaches that was that was I'm I'm a example of that and actually my PE coach I went to St. Euphrasia which okay, is yeah. just just a stone throw away from now which is called Hillcrest uh, Heritage Christian but it was Hillcrest Christian at the time off Shoshone and Rinaldi um, St. Euphrasia through K through eighth grade, and my PE teacher was a, was a guy named Kimo Atkins. Oh, yeah, Kimo. yep. And oh, so, man. for those who are in the valley and been around a while, bangles and hoops, you, you know who Kimo Atkins is. That was my PE teacher, wow. sixth, seventh, and eighth grade. Obviously, a basketball guy and a great athlete. So, to me, he kind of just took me under his wing. I was playing junior high basketball and learned a lot of skills from him, and he would do clinics and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. And Mom, I want to go. Okay. And I would go. And so it was more of a self-interest. And then I started to fall in love with the game. So that's really where my development came from was like chemo Hackins. Uh, <laughs> awesome. That's the truth. And no, he's actually responsible for a lot of kids in the Valley. Like he, and he, he took care of kids, kids yes. that didn't have much. He didn't care. He wanted you in the gym. Yep. Him and his wife, man, they are like the yep. most Debbie. people. Debbie yep. took, no so when question. I first moved back to California, I worked, she was a manager at 360 Health Club. Okay. And that's where I met her. And just took me under her wing. Like, I'm out here fresh in California with, you know, in college. And that she, you know, assumed that that auntie role in my life even. No question, man. Debbie's like, yeah, she's got a lot of kids per se. You know, (laughs) I think she would say. But, yeah, Kimo Kimo and Debbie were influential for me when I was a little kid. And getting into sports. That was 
just athletics in general was like chemo Atkins, flag football, all that stuff. That's awesome. That's awesome. So never playing AU basketball at all. So your high school experience, you're at Hillcrest, a smaller Christian school in the area, but what was your experience? So my high school, so a lot of people don't know. So I went to Crespi. So my freshman year of high school, my freshman and sophomore year, I was at Crespi and okay. in Encino. And I was really young. My birthday is November 30th. Okay. And so I was a 13-year-old freshman that turned 14 November 30th of my so my senior of your freshman year. Correct. Again, again, I always my mom didn't know. She just, right. oh, like, yeah, you're it was like, hey, I, I got put in kindergarten when I was four. And it was like whatever, took whatever tests or <laughs> placement. Okay, yeah, he's good to go. Put him in. I was like, great, put him in. She didn't realize sports, it would impact my sports. Anyway. So my freshman year of high school, I'm uh, 5'4", 103 pounds, and I go out for the freshman basketball team at Crespi, and like 100 kids show up. And I, I tell you what, man, it was, it sounds really corny, but it's like one of the greatest accomplishments of my young life was making that team. Yeah. All the, we all know now, I didn't know this, we all know now those teams at that level are pretty much picked already. You know what yeah. kids are coming in, and you know which ones you're going to develop. Maybe a ringer or two shows up to tryouts yeah. that was me made the team i was elated my mom would drop me off at school during tryouts because every day they would have cuts and if your name was on the paper you got to continue to try out the rest of the week if your name was not on the paper in the yeah. locker room or whatever you were cut so my mom would just pray like <laughs> oh my god please let his name be on the paper and 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 it, it was so ended up getting uh playing freshman basketball at crespi 13 year old kid and, and played and had a great experience, but I wasn't growing. So my sophomore year, I played soccer at Crespi. I played JV soccer and loved that. And then I started growing. So I was this slow gangly soccer player. Um, and long story short, I ended up doing, uh, going to, uh, going on a missions trip, uh, with shepherd church. Okay. They were putting together a basketball team to go to Japan. Whoa. Yeah. A lot of people don't know this. So, um, they wanted to take basketball, use it as a vehicle to spread the spread the love of this Christ. Is and pre the Josh Merrill, uh, pre Josh Merrill. Okay, the gym wasn't even built yet. Okay, they wanted to take a basketball team, a girls and a boys basketball team, from Shepherd of the Hills, which is now Shepherd Church in Porter Ranch, and we're going to go to Japan and we're going to play basketball. We're going to set up some showcases. Awesome. We're going to bring attention to us, and we're going to tell everybody we follow Christ. You know, and that's how we're going to do it. Okay, great. So there was a, so I, my older sister was going to the church at the time and I walk into the lobby and I ran into a pastor named Danny Furukawa and I have a crespy basketball sweater on and he goes, Hey man, we're taking a basketball team to Japan. Try out. I was like, sounds great. <laughs> so I show up, you know, who's there? Drew and Justin holiday. Oh my goodness. So Drew and Justin holiday are on this team. Dallas Rutherford's on the team. This team's like loaded and I'm, and I'm like, I have no business being here. So I'll never forget there's tryouts and it's actually on the blacktop in the parking lot of Shepherd Church. The gym was not built yet. They just bought some portable hoops. It, it, I'm telling I'm talking about like where you put the water in, in the, the to like weigh it down and like two of them. I'm like, all right, here we go. We're gonna do tryouts. So I'll never forget Dudley Rutherford, who helped coach the team, comes out and goes, okay. And literally, like I felt like all the cool kids were off to the side because he goes, We have what we need to compete. And it's Drew, Justin, Dallas, and a couple other good players. He goes, now we just need, we need some role players. We need some people that are team players, good character, blah, 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 blah. And I'm thinking, okay, this is my time to shine. <laughs> 
So long story short, they needed to do tryouts for the girls. And in the middle of the tryout, the girls had were one man short of either going three on three, four on four, or five on five. I forgot what the numbers were. But it was like, all right, boys, one of you is going to have to fill in on this girls tryout. Who do you think Rose raised his hand? I'm like, this is my opportunity to just be like a team guy. Yep. And um, I, I didn't, you know, I think I got a couple guys like chuckle, like, oh, ho, ho, and I'm just like, hey, for me, this is just an opportunity to let these girls get a five on five or a four on four in. No problem. So I play in the tryout. I'm catching the ball. I'm swinging. I'm not trying to dominate right. this or anything. And um, I think that that's kind of how I um, got on the team. I was like, hey, wow. you know, an, a team player, we'll, we'll take them. I would have Joanna Mandit. Yeah, 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 yeah. No, there, there was no like, yeah, I wasn't Boy, like, girl, I wasn't, I don't care what yeah, it is. I wasn't <laughs> backing anybody down, you know, over the left shoulder, nothing like that. But um, I tell that story because it's important to me in my life and my the trajectory of my life because on that trip uh, is when I gave my life to Christ. Uh, yes. Man. So I go to Japan on this basketball team, not knowing anybody. I don't know a soul. I know all those guys for the first time, and we're in Japan for ten days and playing basketball and i'm learning so much about jesus i'm learning about what that relationship is like i'm learning differences of catholicism because i grew up k through 10th grade catholicism and asking questions but kind of learning like well that's just the tradition okay but i'm trying to learn a little bit more where i think in a non-denominational sense with christianity as you know it's like hey i have a question oh well just refer to the bible here's actually the verse you can go learn yourself Great, thanks. You know, like it's really all I was looking for, and so that yeah. to me connected, and so yeah, got got saved in Japan, and so you uh, went on a trip to go get people saved, and you got saved. That's exactly right, and uh, that's my testimony, man. That's how I that's how I gave my life to Christ on on, on a bullet train in Japan. I'll never forget it, and um, that is when I decided, okay, I need something different in my life, and I transferred from from Crespi to Hillcrest Christian, which is now uh, Heritage Christian, and totally, you know, a, a, a blessing in disguise. I played JV soccer my sophomore year, according to the CIF rules, as long as you are 365 degree, uh, degrees, 365 days out of sport, you are varsity eligible. So because uh, I played soccer my sophomore year, the transfer work right was, away. the transfer paperwork was almost nothing. I got to play varsity basketball at Hillcrest from day one. So I played varsity basketball my junior, senior year. We had some good seasons, played a ton, grew, got better. Um, so that, and then that was that. I hear a consistency of this. You have an optimistic attitude. You have high character, and you have this competitive spirit, man. What what happened to little Targ? Oh, created that. Man, that's a good question. I, I really learned that from my mom. Uh, that that is there's no question that came from mom. Mom was a uh, kind of a independent, self, just motivating woman. And I got to watch that every day. And she just like, man, my wife was, oh, my wife, my mom was, uh, my wife's independent and, 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 and self-motivated too. But my mom, um, 99%, like just this kind woman. But there was this 1% of her where if you either like mess with her kids or, and this isn't exactly an anomaly. Like, you know, you do certain things like mama bear is going to come out, right? And there were times where I, where she would, I would see like in a department store or a grocery store or some of her interactions, if she felt like there was something wrong or someone was being wronged, my mom had no issues stepping in and and like point, I mean, being ridiculous, like pointing fingers and you need to be doing, and I always kind of saw that and thought, okay, when she felt like there was a time to do better and interject herself, she had the confidence to do so. 
And I always kind of felt, and that's what I, I learned that to, to, to speak up when it's necessary and to interject when it's necessary. And so when you ask like, where do you think your competitive spirit came from? Like, I think of that, I think yeah. of the kind of getting your nose in there when, when it's deserved. And so, um, there were times where I felt like I kind of reached in and got that, that kind of energy uh, when it came to competitive sports. That's awesome, man. I, I think it's so important for parents to know how closely their kids are watching them. Oh, yes. And those are the moments that you yes. remember. And it, uh, it's so awesome because of what it's created in you. And, and you see it today, even with your, your reporting and your, Thank your, you. your burrito review. Y yeah, man. Everything you do I, like, is freaking Hey, man, I, people man. start coming after me, you know, like, oh, chorizo doesn't belong with breakfast burrito. You know, I get really fired up, you know. So the competitive <laughs> nature comes out in all realms. That's for sure. For sure. Uh, so what years were you at Hillcrest? So my, I graduated my my I graduated 07. 07. Okay. Uh, so I guess that would be um This is before the CIF titles, when the CIF titles? No, so I came in right after. Right after. Right okay. after. So they were went to back-to-back -to -back CIF titles, lost one, won one. I come in, I think we lost in the quarters and then my senior year, I think we lost in the second round of the quarters. You know, we, we had good teams and won won the league and stuff like that, but we didn't excuse me, we didn't have enough firepower per se, because those teams before were, were really, really good. And we had good teams, but right. nothing, nothing off the charts. Yeah. Who was your coach then? So Joshua Kendrick was oh, yeah. my Josh coach, okay. um, who, you know, it, a, another one that was kind of a lifer per se at Hillcrest Christian. And, you know, again, kind of a really a, a neighborhood team. I mean, yeah. that's really what these were and found success with that. And uh, I think Coach Kendrick would tell you, you know, it wasn't like, get the ball out and run. I think when the opportunities were there, but it was like, slow it down, run a play, play good defense, yeah. you know, trap when necessary. So very fundamental kind of a slow it down. I would say we weren't like getting up and down, but then again, it's not exactly like we had the athletes to get up and down <laughs> at Hillcrest Christian. So it makes a lot of sense. And, and, you know, and to piggyback a little bit off what you were talking about when, when, when kids are watching their parents, they, you know, like, Hey man, you're always influencing your kids. And so coaches are like that too. Yes. The way you coach, the way you instruct, the way you even, I'm even thinking of times a coach might walk into a gym with his team for a tournament, the way you interact with the lady you're asking, where's our locker yeah. room, the way you're at, the way you're talking to the custodian that might be like your person, that tournament, you know, Hey coach, I'm going to anything you need. I'm your guy. Just all that stuff is yes. watched. It is. And so Coach Kendrick absolutely always treated everybody with respect, always was super nice. And that he was a he was a um like a father figure to me. Uh no question, just in regards to how to conduct himself and and, and all that stuff. And then the competitive spirit. If you I don't know if you ever he would just then there were times where he would the one percent you'd see red. And I just always felt like when it was necessary. He would he would get fired up on behalf of his team, or he felt like, hey, something's wrong here. I yep. need to stick up for my team, and so he'd lay into a ref or something. <laughs> name name one coach that's never laid into a ref before. So right, right. <laughs> all that to say, just examples of observing uh, people that you look up to. No, that's awesome, man. And um, it seems like you had a lot of mentors, right, along the, along yes. the way, right? Father living in London, yes, and then you like uh, God put you in a position to have some good mentors, right? Yes. Some people to stand in that gap. And so um, it, has that been consistent through pretty much your Ab whole childhood? Absolutely. Absolutely. So, yeah. So I had, I mean, I could name them all. I had Kimo Atkins in junior high. And then um, at Crespi, actually, um, Dick Dornan at Crespi was the head coach there. I mean, he, 
my experience with Dick Dornan was awesome. I had so much, I learned so much under his program at Crespi. Then actually the soccer coach at Crespi was a guy who's still there named Rob Kadama, who is amazing. Rob Kadama's fantastic. Then I go to Hillcrest, it's Joshua Kendrick. And actually a lot of people don't know this. My junior year, uh, Joshua Kendrick's assistant coach was a man named Dean Bradshaw. Whoa. So Dean Bradshaw and, and coach Kendrick were kind of co-coaches. Yeah. So Dean Bradshaw was done at Simi Valley mm-hmm. and uh, got close with Dudley Rutherford. And I think Dudley uh-huh. was like, Hey man, our team at Hillcrest could really need some coaching help. Dallas was a sophomore on that team at, the, at that time. So yeah, we, it, Dean Bradshaw coached me my junior year with, with coach Kendrick. Wow. And then coach Kendrick was, and then Dean Bradshaw left and coach Kendrick was my, my coach, my senior year. So some, some really good role models there. And then, um, I went to master's college for a year and redshirted for a year. And the coach was Chuck Martin. Assistant coach was uh, Chris Connolly. All guys, Chris, yeah. Chuck Martin, not so much, but Chris Connolly, someone I still keep in contact with huge influence on me. And in a different way, he was, he didn't, uh, I, I was a, I was a preferred walk-on. I didn't play. I redshirted. It was notorious. Coach Connolly did not like walk-ons. He thought they were a waste of space. He didn't feel that they would contribute to anything. So I had to kind of earn his respect. Like, Hey man, I can play a little bit. Right. And I think I did. And that actually, and then there were times where I felt like I earned, I earned that respect. So that helped me. And then the coach that I love that was at my wedding, Remy McCarthy, more part college. And so anyone that knows about junior college basketball for the last 25, 30 years, and especially in Southern California knows Remy McCarthy at more part college had a great career there. Two year starter played a ton. Our teams were okay. Like 500 teams. We didn't have great teams, but the thing I learned the most at coach with coach McCarthy was being raised by a single mom. There was a lot of coddling going on. Uh, and so there were times where I felt like I didn't need to, I might've gotten bailed out too soon on some things. Yeah. And I, I think it, it, it impacted the way I was at like how good I was of a student in school, things like that. But coach McCarthy, uh, uh-uh, not happening, no cutting corners. And thankfully I felt like I actually matured enough at that time of my life where I felt like I needed that kind of coaching yeah, coach good. McCarthy for sure player, good players have come through his program and have not lasted because mm-hmm. they, the, the head butting or the my way or the highway type coaches it's accountability, but he's shaping you for life. It, not, not this basketball. hundred percent. And, and coach McCarthy's and you know, he, you know, we're talking about just verbal, just cuss words, <laughs> left, right, and center. <laughs> Love you coach. But that was, that was the experience. And he, he's not going to shy away from that, but, that I needed that. I needed that. No corners show up on time. There will be consequences. And uh, yeah, two years of that molded me big time. And then, um, yeah, when, and then I went to Springfield college where I uh, didn't end up playing basketball. And that was, that was the Lord's, that was, that was the Lord at work, man. What, I was, what happened that you didn't? So I was supposed to, so again, I, 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 I didn't know the rules. I didn't know the rules. I didn't know what, uh, I didn't know what eligibility, I knew what eligibility meant the word, but I didn't know how it's computed. And so when I graduated high school, I already told you I was super young. So I graduated high school. I'm 17 years old and I knew I wanted to play college basketball, but I felt like I needed time. So I go to college of the canyons. I don't play any basketball. Fully enrolled though. Fully enrolled three semesters, 12 units for three semesters. So right there, 10, three of my 10 semesters you're allowed to play gone. So then I go to, then I go to master's. There's two more semesters that I go to Moore Park for two years. That's four more semesters. Oh, so by the man. time I go to Springfield College, I had half of a semester left of eligibility. Here's the kicker. Moore Park College signed out all the eligibility tracers 
and sent to Springfield College, he's got two years of eligibility left. So I tried to appeal it with the NCAA and it got denied because because it, it wasn't my I don't know. It's not it is not a student athlete's responsibility to keep track of their eligibility. That's no, a fact. That is a fact. Um, so I got a little misled there from different people in admissions throughout the whole process. But yeah. nevertheless, um, I'll never forget actually telling my buddy Dallas, hey, man, I'm out here. I'm a month into school. I've been working with the team. I love it. But they just told me I can't play. I'm not eligible. Oh. And I'll never forget him going, man, that's a long way to that's a long ways to go to find that out. So, yeah, Springfield College is in Massachusetts. Yep. SoCal born, raised out to Springfield, Mass, where it gets cold and snowy. <laughs> and now I got no basketball. And uh, but that's OK, man. The Lord had different plans. And so I just diverted all my time into broadcast journalism, student journalism, print journalism, writing, broadcasting, radio. I did everything. I was radio radio uh, president of the radio club for two years, play-by-play -play, for the basketball team. I would travel with oh, the team. And, oh, I dove so, in. Two questions about that. Yeah. One, what, what is what was the the toughest part in your career of basketball or the toughest thing you had to deal with? Yeah. Um, or was that it, you know, not being sure. able to play? And two, when did you know? Let's ask, answer that one first. The next one is that when did you know you wanted to be a sports broadcaster? But Yeah, yeah. so so the basketball thing, I, you know, it's, it's funny. I, I, I had like a piece about it. The one thing that bothers me still and kind of bothered me, my appeal opinion, when I went to go appeal to the NCAA, like, hey, here's some facts. I, it's not my responsibility. Here's a tracer from another accredited college telling me I've got to. Well, Springfield College takes that tracer and goes, okay, he's good to go. Let's go. Let's get him on. Right. Okay. So, you know, I, my point being is my appeal was, I don't need, don't give me another two years. I'm not trying to get the two years back. Right. Either. Grant me one extra semester so I can play one more year. So I'm not asking right. for the two. Right. Just give me the ability to play one last season. Let me, it's division three basketball. And right. if you go read their mission statement, it's nothing like division one or division two. Right. Division three athletics is like whipped cream on top. You go to a school because you want to study something. You, you're yes. trying to experience something else, whether it be getting away from home or the, whatever you're studying. And then the football, the hoops, the baseball, whatever. That's like whipped cream on top. It's still very serious, right. but it's not scholarship stuff. Yeah. So I, I take that statement and I go, just give me one more year because that's what I'm trying to fulfill here. And they wouldn't give it to me. So the hardest part about that whole process was learning that I had to give up basketball, not on my terms. Mm. And so now I would say it it's a little better than like injuries. So right, injury right. is I got to stop playing and it didn't happen on my, on, on my terms. That is gotta be a tough pill to swallow. Yeah. And I never had to deal with that. So I wouldn't say it's as bad as that. Yeah. However, it's a little bit, it's right in it's different. It's the it's same, but different right in the it's neighborhood the where you have sure. to go far away from home and friends and family Man. and to learn that, Oh man, you know, lesson. that was tough, man. <laughs> tough but lesson. um yeah, that basically it all ending on on terms that were not my own was very difficult. What would you what advice would you give kids and parents as far as making sure eligibility is checked at a young age and and understanding that whole process? Talk to your high school coach. I mean, I I mean, every high school coach at least knows the basics, the absolute basics. Division 1, it's a clock. From this date to this date, that's what you have to play. Mm -hmm. Boom. Lower levels, excuse me, it's 10 semesters. That's why you see these crazy stories in Division Three, where it's like 71-year-old <laughs> Bill Rafferty, like coming back to play baseball. And it's because you have 10 academic semesters. Yep. 
however you want to break them up or do them to play eight athletic semesters. That's right. what it is. Ten semesters. to play. It's just like high school. There's eight semesters in four years. Right, right. That's how many semesters you have to play athletics. So yeah. in there, so I, I would just, if I just learned that um, earlier, uh, I, I think I would have been, I would have been better off. It's not necessarily something I learned until I learned it the hard way. Right. Man. And then it's for somebody else. It's for this moment. Yeah, to tell other absolutely. People to share it, to make sure absolutely. other people don't run into if that. If college is a goal of yours, because because I could have still done my path, but maybe in, at COC, do eight do eight units. Right. 11 units. That's it. That's, That's the it. That, that was the difference. Just do something part-time. So something very similar happened to me where I was I was at a junior college, left mid-semester because um, the coach hated me. But really, I just didn't understand. Once again, right? okay, okay, <laughs> whatever which way. And then I enrolled in school that January full time. Okay, did three semesters, got back, and now my eligibility. Yeah, that's well. it. So it's it, gone. That, yeah, that's why. That's why I do what I do. Is like my parents didn't have that information. I didn't have that information. Like that should be the standard. Is like, hey, if you're an athlete, here you go about eligibility. Yeah, you should know these things. Yeah, so. absolutely. Stay out of the stay out of the eligibility. Yeah, or stay out of twelve units. You know, yeah. if you're not trying to play, stay out of the twelve units. But so once again, stepping on your perseverance yeah. and taking the optimistic approach just to life, man, is you hop right into sports broadcasting and journalism and the media side of everything. When did you know that you wanted to do that? So I knew I wanted to be in in media. I'll know Tim Cates, another, you know, you're talking about these male figures that have really either evoked confidence in me or told me, hey, man, you're actually pretty good at this. You might want to stick with this whether it be a basketball coach or just other people like a Tim Cates. So Tim Cates has been at Fox Sports for forever, and he's the executive producer of Petros and Money, oh. the, the 570 or 540. I forgot the name of that station now, but it's one of the more popular drive time afternoon radio shows. And Tim Cates at the time was producing a show called uh, Into the Night with T Tony Bruno. I don't know if that name rings a bell. Yeah. So I have my internship. I did an internship with Fox Sports Radio and Tim Cates was the producer and kind of oversaw my duties. And that was in 2010, I think, 2009, 2010. And he just taught me so much about not just the radio, but just how sports media works and how it can, it's serious. But there's a, there's a level of seriousness and casualness. And if you can merge them, you might actually be pretty good. Right. And that could be a good segue into breakfast burritos. We'll get to it in a second. <laughs> but that's that's always been my philosophy, man. And I learned that from Tim Cates. He probably doesn't even know it, but it's kind of just, that's if you listen to Petros and Money and Petros Papadakis, like the guy's cracking jokes. It's not that serious. You get right. to what you need to because people want to hear the sports. Yes. But it's not all percentages, numbers, stats. It's boring. Yeah. So it's like, take your job seriously, but don't take yourself too seriously. You know, mm. kind of like a Shaquille O'Neal, yes. right? The guy's constantly goofing around, but you know, in between the lines, he's going to try and kill you, right? Yes. Okay, same thing. So yeah. that philosophy for me was something I learned at Fox Sports Radio, and I knew to myself, okay, I, I want to I do this. And literally since 2010, 2009, that I have been on a journey to be in sports media, and I'm very, very, very lucky to say I'm doing it. Yeah, well, when you set your mind on something and then you have the work ethic that you have, it tends to happen. Yeah, just, I appreciate that. Just for everybody that. out there, I, I think, um, you know, just so a man think it. So he, yeah, so he absolutely. Does it, and, um, it, and it takes, it, it's, it's you know, you're, you're going to have your peaks and your valleys. And, um, but 
there's no question it takes a, the ball has to bounce your way a little bit sometimes. There, there's no question. I wouldn't say here and just, yep, I worked hard and I got it. No, no, there, there were a couple conversations had or a couple lucky breaks um, that have to go your way. A little bit of luck. Anyone that tells you luck has nothing to do with it, um, I, I think is, is, is being, I think that's overly optimistic. Um, you know, the Lord has his will. That's, that's for sure. But man, there's gotta be a percent or two of luck just to, you know, <laughs> well, you know, those recipes it, where it's like a pinch of salt. Stop. You call there's it, always you call it a favor, right? You call it, and, and, but it's also because God gives us free will. Yes, he does. And, and our, he, our measure of faith is our currency, man. When we put our faith in, amen. that's what tends to happen. It's, it's core prep for me. It's sports media for you. It's, basketball for these kids that are playing basketball they're putting their faith in something putting the effort forward the right way and doing all the right things meeting the right people making mistakes along the yeah, way of course but getting back up dusting themselves off and like oh no i'm still my goal is still to do this mm -hmm. and so that's what you continue to do it's been 10 years now so yeah this is my ninth year ninth doing year. uh again you know doing doing sports media since 2010 kind of like on a student like amateur side and then i got hired by the daily news in 2015 so yeah, so since since 2015, I've been a professional. I've been a professional media member. Yeah, yes, but you've been but you started years ago. It's almost 13 years yeah, ago, 14 years ago. Yeah, then. exactly. What what's the difference from Targ 2010 to sure. Targ 2023? Well, I think what I always and, and and I've been lucky enough to I'll go. I went to Crespi Career Day. I've been to Sierra Canyon. Uh, I've been to different schools and even back at Springfield College to talk with budding student journalists and media, you know, kids that want to get into media. And I always tell them what I was doing in 2010, 11, 12, 13, 14, before I got to the daily news was you have to think of every, every this is the, one of my favorite analogies that I make in basketball, when you're working on your shot and you're in an empty gym, I, I'll ask the rhetorical question. Do any of the short shots you make in an empty gym count in the game? No. When you're, when you're working on your handle, like, is that a highlight tape? No. You're doing all the work. I wouldn't even say behind closed doors. It's it's reps. They are reps that are making you better. They don't count. Mm. They don't count, but they're necessary. They are prerequisites for getting better, doing anything of quality. So I, I tell these, these kids, the problem nowadays is everyone thinks that if they create something, it has to be, it has to be viral. Yeah. It's got to be viral. If it doesn't have enough views or clicks or likes, it's not good. They delete oh. it. <laughs> I, I would exactly, and I'll, I'll, I'll tell. Okay, so when if you're in a gym and you're working on your game, do you just when you miss a shot, is that not still trying to get better? I just I'm trying to correlate. You still have to fail yes. even when you're working out because that's what's going to make you better. You have to work on things you're not good at. So I always tell these young kids. Make a blog, do a podcast, make a YouTube show, whatever it is, try and do it as many times as you can, not with the intention to create eyeballs, but with the intention that you're working on your craft, yeah. just like a guy running routes on an open field by himself with his buddy throwing wounded ducks. You know, it's yeah. like whatever the case may be, uh, you know, your, your 11 year old cousin's going to rebound for you in the gym. You're getting shots up. It's the same premise yeah. so that when the time comes, when you need to deliver something like maybe at crunch time of a basketball game or, hey, um, actually, you know, our student broadcast wants to do a football game on Friday nights. We're looking for a play by play or a color guy. Can you do it? And you're like, yeah, I've been doing 
podcasts and speaking on Instagram or whatever the case yes. may be, I actually might be more ready for this opportunity. And so it's the same thing, man, trying to create uh, opportunities to sharpen your tools. Yes. It's the same thing as sports. That's what I tell all these kids. So at Springfield College and all through those years up until Daily News, that's what I was doing. I had my own blog called Road to Radio. I was doing podcasts. I was doing radio shows. I was calling basketball games. I'll never forget my first assignment for the Springfield College student newspaper was a women's field hockey game. That's they funny. said, who, who wants to do women's field hockey? And everyone was like, and I was like, I'll do it. I don't even know what field hockey is. Oh, dude, it's like stick, wood. It's, it's a whole thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. You're making my point. Yes. <laughs> exactly. And, my, and, I, and I just say, like, hey, raise your hand at everything. Don't ever think you're too good for something. Yeah. Don't ever think that something won't make you better. Go do it. Go learn. Be the um, villain when there's absolutely, the absolutely. Be yeah, exactly. Be when the girls are trying out and they need an extra. Be the fill in. Um, yeah. but yeah, man, that that's that's kind of been the ethos of my approach. Um, Todd, I've never chased the dollar, dude. Ever. Yeah. Uh, I've never chased the dollar. Uh, and um, I've always chased the passion, the fun, uh, what I want to do, and through that. I can now, I, I've, I've created a nice, comfortable life for myself. Yeah. The money has, 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 has come, which allows me to provide for my family. Cause that's important. You have to have those Absolutely. things. You can't just work for free. That's not what I'm saying. But, um, when you put the emphasis on your passion, what you're working towards, like all the other stuff will come. Yes. No, you became an expert at what you do and that's what kids miss, right? They want to become, they want to become the things that you get from being the expert yep. rather than actually being the expert. And you see it in basketball all the time, right? They've mastered a dunk, a crossover or something, but not the work ethic that it takes to actually be a pro. Like I tell kids all the time, all the time. <laughs> Do you know what a pro does? Yeah. Let, come and watch a real pro workout to understand what they do to get there. Cause you, what you're doing, just cause you're good in eighth grade. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you're not going to cut yeah, a kid yeah. and give them the tools though, to understand, Hey, this is what you act. You actually have to uh, sleep right, nutrition, hydration. Oh, yeah. Take uh, care of your, your body. Your, your relationships, your circle is, is super important. And I think that's the highlight of a lot of what you're saying is, man, you had a good circle around. You. I was very lucky. Yeah. Yeah. And and did you did you seek any of those relationships out personally or did it kind of just happen? No, I would say yes and no. I would say most of them just happened. And I was lucky because I can't think of anything. I'm not trying to. I can't think of a circumstance I was put in where I thought, okay, no, this isn't for me. I'm leaving. I felt like maybe I was just able to, again, I maybe just had the perspective to take from the experience what I knew I needed. And that sounds really kind of like, whoa, what are you, like all-knowing? No, <laughs> I just know that when I got to Moorpark College and played for Remy McCarthy and every third word is the F word or the S word, I, I just kind of learned like those words are just like fillers. I, I'm, I'm, let me, it's, it's basically the, the cliche, listen to the message, not the tone or yeah. whatever the, whatever the cliche the fish, spit out the bone Yeah. yeah those, things yeah. like that, where it's like, I'm going to listen to what I think is going to help me. Yes. The cuss words are just, that's just part of it. I'm not, that's just how he's teaching. I don't know, <laughs> whatever. I, I don't need that. I'm not, I'm, I'm not, I'm not taking offense to that. And so um, I think along the way there were, there were, there were figures that allowed me to kind of just have a little more perspective on what I might've needed from that scenario. Absolutely. So um, now you're here, you're at daily news, right? You're starting your career. 
your back in your home stomping grounds of yep. LA in yep. the valley. Um, what 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 were you most excited about stepping into that? I think I just thought to myself, you know, it's funny. Okay, so 2015, so I'm, you know, my mid 20s, and I'm thinking, okay, this is it. This is the beginning. <laughs> uh, I'm thinking Ramona Shelburne used to be a Los Angeles Daily News prep writer. Yeah. Now she is the who's who on ESPN. Yeah. And Todd, I always believed in myself. I could be a one percenter. When you, that's another thing I tell these media kids. The, the ESPNs, the Foxes, the Scott Van Pelts, the Skip Baylesses, the Colin Cowherds, the Joe Bucks of the world, they are one percenters. The, the ones making six figures, seven figures, one percenters. Yeah. And I always thought to myself, you know what, I'm gonna, I can do that. I, I have the skills. I have the confidence. I'm going to go be a one percenter. So when I got hired by the day in the news, I'm like, yo, this is just the beginning. I'm going to be a high school writer, then I'm going to go to college, then I'm going to go to pro, and I'm going to be like Stephen A. Smith. Like, watch me go. Yep. Still doing high schools. <laughs> but, but, um, because things in my life changed. Yes. And um, what I wanted changed. Mm -hmm. And we'll get to that in a second. But to answer your question, Daily News, I got hired. I'm writing for Los Angeles Daily News, a credible, notable newspaper here in Southern California, maybe even the West Coast region. It's not quite a national paper. It's not the LA Times, but that's right. okay. Yep. Uh, I'm going to do my best on this beat. I'm going to serve a community. That's Journalism 101. Uh, that's 99% of journalism. I'm talking about the 1% on TV making millions. The 99% is local community journalism, right. writing impact pieces, feature stories, stuff like that. And I wouldn't even consider myself, I never consider myself a journalist. And that sounds really, people go, well, you are. I said, eh, I guess technically I am. I'm a sports reporter. Yeah. The real journalists are the guys in Gaza right now dealing yeah. with what's going on with the Israelis and the Palestinians. Those are journalists. Uh, um, an, an, an untold story speaking on behalf of someone that doesn't have a voice because there's a wrongdoing. That's journalism. Yeah. I'm going to Heritage Christian <laughs> versus Village and watching Tay Simmons dunk on people. Like, that is fun. That's, right. I'm reporting. Yeah. And every so often, I would say there are times where I, I, I do journalism, where yes. I'll write a piece that is journalistic. Yeah. I just got done writing a story about El Camino Real and what's going on over at that school and so on. Mm -hmm. That's an example of journalism. journalism. So got every it. so often, I tip my, you know, I put my toe in the proverbial pool of journalism and think, okay, that was journalism, Tark. Good job. But then I go right back into the field of work that is sports reporting and news and who's good, who's bad, so on and so forth. What is your job description? This is for the people, right? Right. Um, uh, a normal parent whose kid plays on a basketball mm. team at a school in, in the Valley. Um, they think you just write on Twitter. And yeah. the only kids that you like and only coaches maybe that you have relationships sure. with. What is your job as a media writer? So as a high school sports reporter, my job is to um, – people think that my job is to always write on the – best kids and there is a truth to that because when you think about the reader or the consumer what is it they're interested in so unfortunately i said that i said that purposely unfortunately the readership can dictate coverage yeah. so for example i covered Bronny james and sierra canyon for four years okay i broke national news on that stuff Tarek, why are you always writing about sierra canyon why are you always writing about Bronny? why no 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 no, no, no. First of all, for a lot, for a little bit, for a nice window there, they were the best high school ba basketball team in California. Right. That's a reason to cover them. 
And readers want to know about Sierra Canyon. They want to know about Bronny. I'm sorry. Unfortunately, that's my beat. Them being in my area of coverage, it is my job to write about that. So sorry, there's going to be something on Sierra Canyon once or twice a week. That's just the nature of the job. So that's an example of why people go, well, oh, you're just like writing about Sierra Canyon because you think it's cool. No, it's because that's what's getting read the most. And the bosses want to see... They do. They want to see clicks. They want to see consumption of of content. And so that's an example. That's one example. But mm-hmm. on a macro level, it is trying to highlight and tell stories of high school athletes, both boys and girls. Unfortunately, uh, I, I'm one person covering now with the, with SB Live. I cover all of the southern section and all of the city section. So for parents out there, when for they what sports, all of them. Whoa. So myself and Eric Sonheimer, LA Times, we are one person covering the whole section, the whole Southern section and the whole city section. It, wow. And so they go, well, how do you do that? The, the answer is you don't. You, right. it, it's impossible. There's more than 550 schools in the Southern section. I think there's like 200 schools in the city section. So you're talking like 700 schools that we're supposed to cover. It doesn't exist. <laughs> you have to football, basketball, baseball, track and field, girls volleyball girls softball, girls hoops. Those are the big time sports that I try and cover the most extensive. Um, whether it be telling stories, writing features, uh, writing uh, writing game coverage, things like that, rankings, things of that nature. And then every so often, if we have a standout water polo player or yeah. cross country runner, yeah. here's the truth, mom and dad, your water polo player, as great as they are, their cross country runner, as great as they are, here's a little truth on this podcast. I could write up, the greatest piece of journalism, not a lot of people care. And I hate to say that. It's not, it doesn't move the needle. And unfortunately, when I'm one person covering so much, you kind of have to be particular about what you're going to spend your time on. Yes. So if I spend three days on this great feature on an underwater basket weaver, you know, my, my boss will be like, hey man, great piece, but you know, there's not a lot of return on investment on here. And every so often, it's not always about that. So you have yeah. to pick and choose when it's like, right. this needs to be written because it's important. And it doesn't matter what it does on the click side or what it does on the um, digestion side, per se. So there, there are, but those are anomalies. Right. Those are anomalies. Um, so yeah, man, I could go on and on. I, I can't tell you how many DMs I get. You know, little Johnny is the best point guard on our JV team. Come out and watch him. Ma'am, I, ma'am, I don't, I don't, I don't cover JV sports. Uh, you know, anyway, so JV parents kill me. They <laughs> JV is junior varsity. Yeah, it is a development side. It's exactly right, and allow them to develop. Yeah, and when they make varsity, they'll have their opportunity. They will have their opportunity. You will, like you said, you have to report the real news that people are going to read and newsworthy. Correct. So when there's an, somebody who is newsworthy, they will end up in your feed. And, and, and the truth of the matter is I try and tell coaches all the time and parents too, like, Hey, um, send me scores, send me scores and the notable. So, okay. Um, modern day 75, St. John Bosco 70. And then if, if it's the modern day coach coaching me, uh, excuse me, texting me, I'll usually get like, um, two or three names, 23 points, 10 rebounds, 17 points, eight assists, you know, 11 points, 11 rebounds. And then that's what I go and report. What a lot of times parents do is they'll go, hey, why are you only mentioning these players? 
well, those are the players that are scoring every game. <laughs> you know, it's kind of really simple, but I also get it. Like, hey, yeah, yeah. my son scored seven points. If that coach would have put in the text, so-and-so scored seven points, it might get in there. Yeah. It might not. Right. And that's where I always tell coaches, if you're getting pressure from parents, because some coaches go, hey, hey, uh, Tarek, I'm getting a lot of pressure from parents on the, on the stats I send you. I said, I got a fix for that. It's really easy. Send me the whole box score. Right. So now you're off the hook and it's on me what I choose to then report. And they're like, oh, I like that. So yeah. basically blame me. Yep. I'll have those conversations all day long. You're, you're two points, little Johnny. Uh, it's not going to get in. <laughs> now you go and go for 20. We, now right. we're going to have a discussion. Right. Oh, man. Hilarious. <laughs> no, it, 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 it's, a, it's a story as old as time. Yes. Uh, now, media cover. So that's, that's your job description. Uh, the area you cover, all of Southern section, all of city section. Um, I'm losing, there was something else. Sorry. No rush. Yeah. What was it? There was another piece to this, the media side. Ah, I blanked totally. Blanked. No, you're good. So you have, oh, you could press play. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so you have um, all of Southern California to cover. Which is like ridiculous. I want to be I want to be more a little more clear because I don't want to get uh, not that that's wrong, but it's all of the southern section. Oh, so, southern section. so like okay. the San Diego section is right, people always own. get confused. That's that is part of Southern California, but I don't cover teams from San Diego. It's the southern section and the city section. Perfect. OK, yeah, so yeah. southern section and city section. Who gives you all these tips when you break news? Ooh. Who does it come from? You know, um, one of the reasons people kind of make fun of me sometimes because I'll go to football games on Friday nights. Okay. Let's not even, I know where this is basketball, but let me use football for example. Cause I think it's, it, 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 it'll shed light without talking about basketball specifically. Football games start at seven o'clock. I roll up to games at like four 30, five o'clock max. I'm there usually four to four 30, five o'clock. Maybe something's going on. I show up at five o'clock, maybe bad traffic or something. Here's why the job presence is a large part of media coverage, in my opinion. So for example, Todd, you know I do rankings. I evaluate players, not like scouting, but hey, here are the top shooting guards or here are the yes. top wide receivers or quarterbacks. I forgot we're talking about football. Here are the top quarterbacks to watch. And I, you know, I have to evaluate who, there's 500 schools. I'm not gonna list off 500 starting quarterbacks, but I can list off 20. So I have to quantify what are who are the most notable and the best, okay? I can't do that without showing my face. I have to show people I'm at games. I'm in the community. I'm not just sitting at home yes. keyboard worrying this thing. Oh, I watched a couple of YouTube highlights. This is the best guy. No, 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 no. I'm at games. I sit at tournaments. All that thing. All, all that. I keep, I keep diving into basketball. I'm trying to stay You're on football. You're a hooper. It's okay. I know, I know. <laughs> That's why we have the show. I know, I know. <laughs> But, the, but the, yeah. the example I'm trying to give for football is, and the, to answer your question specifically, I wanted to kind of preamble, going to stuff is important, and this is where I get my tips, most of them, is because you show up a little early, and there's a lull. The players aren't quite out on the field or out on the basketball court yet. I'm chilling, but auntie or uncle or <laughs> mom or dad. Hey, um, Mr. Patel, or uh, oh, Tarek, oh, hey, thanks for coming. And next thing you know, there is this time where approachability 
which I take a lot of pride in, by the way, if, if, if I'm working and someone taps me on the shoulder to say hello, I take a lot of, that's very flattering to me. That means that I'm approachable. Even when right. I'm working, someone feels comfortable enough to come up and say hello. I always make sure to say, thank you for coming to say hello. That's really, really important. Not all media members, I won't say names, are not <laughs> like that. Right. So, but, but the approachability level is at an all-time high two hours before tip, two and a half hours before kickoff. So that's when I sit around. I'll do other work. I don't just sit around. I'll do right. other work while I'm waiting, and, and someone will come up and say hello to me. Hey. And next thing you know, you get someone that cannot wait to show off their knowledge to you. And I'm just sitting there going, oh, I had no idea. And so the, sometimes it's like, wow, I really didn't know that. Sometimes <laughs> it's like, I already know. Right, right. But the truth of the matter is, it's a little bit of a game. Like, um, wow, you know, that's, that's interesting. Uh, tell me more. And so what happens is you get information and the difference between what I believe myself, Eric Sondheimer, uh, Steve Fryer, Orange County, Fred Robledo, Singer, these are these high school writers that are really credible and really good at what they do. They get information. And now all it is is a sniff in the right direction. Right. It's not fact. And it shouldn't be taken as such. Unless you can see it with your own two eyes, it's right. anything you hear is not fact. You have to, that, that's the approach. I'm not saying it's not. I'm saying I don't digest it as fact. So when you get told, hey, so-and-so, Todd Wilson's going to transfer. You might want to check on that. All right, I think I will. <laughs> That's when you call coach and go, coach, I'm hearing. I'm, I'm coming to you. I'm forthcoming. Yep. This is what always works. It's just the truth because coaches appreciate it. Coach, I'm hearing Todd Wilson, your guard, is going to transfer. I'm hearing your Todd Wilson, the quarterback, he's going to transfer. What's going on? Have you been talking to the family? Yeah, he's on the move. Um, or – Coach, yeah, coach, we're getting a transfer, but the paperwork's not quite done, Tarek. Can you give me another day? Right. You got it, coach. No problem. However, this is all I always, however, I will wait because I think it's better to wait and have a better relationship yes. than to basically you just told me the kid's coming and for me to just go out there and slap it on Twitter or write a story about it. And now you're upset. You might not answer my calls. Right. I'm willing to lose on some of those because the relationship, there's far more to gain down the road. It's so like you're, you said, you're serving a community. It, and so your service is gone if you're doing something out of order or, you know, how they feel slight. Exactly. Feel so I think a transparent conversation, coach, look. So most of the time coaches will go, okay, give me, let, let's, basically you work together on coaches. So once you get information, you start calling the right people, you try and confirm it. Most of the time the information comes from, parents they it comes from family members it comes from uncle it comes from assistant coaches things like that and it's my job to then go confirm that with the powers that be and then work with the powers that be to make sure that when i break the news or whatever gets put out there you're comfortable with it um and then if we're good we're good however this is the one thing that some ad's are learning and some coaches learn the last tidbit is okay coach i can wait but journalism and 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 sports and news it's like a train it's gonna leave the station whether you're on that bad boy or not yeah it's choo -choo, it's <laughs> leaving the station so we can either work together and you're on the train and we're on our merrily way or i'm pulling out and you're not on the train so if something else happens where our agreement is now broken uh, you have, I, I'm free to do whatever I want. Right. If somebody else uh, reports it. Someone or... could scoop it or news gets out. And, um, you know, and that has happened. And that's, that's because 
the coach knows I don't need if he if you're going to confirm information for me and I or I have enough. Sometimes the conversation is this, Todd. Um, I've got paperwork, a photo. I've got player and parent telling me this is what's happening. I'm just like, let's say let's say it's for those four things. Right. I'm still going to call the coach out of courtesy and go, hey, coach, this is what I've got. This train is leaving. So you can either confirm it with me and we'll kind of and, and it's more of a heads up that this news is coming or. That's basically your only option because <laughs> right. I got enough. I got Either enough. That or that. Yeah. I got enough because I've got enough because I don't need you, really. I'm just trying to be nice, and I'm trying to do this the right way. And so uh, some coaches will kind of huff and puff about that. And I think sometimes um, there are moments where I upset a coach because I have to do my job. However, I always believe the respect is still there. Yeah. So that happens, too, where you got someone just – I'm just doing my job, and it – makes a coach upset because that's not news he wanted out there or makes player upset. But, um, you know, there's a respect level there still. So for those coaches who have a respect level or maybe someone that you have upset in the past, you don't have to use names, um, of course. Is there someone like at a high level school or, or where you are doing reporting on them all the time, but you don't even have that relationship with the coach? No, thank, thankfully I do not. That there is no, um, There is no coach in my nine years now where I cannot call or I feel like they're not going to pick up the phone or now there have been seasons where a coach might begrudgingly text me back or call me back because things are of high tension or high pressure situations. And is so-and-so going to play is so-and-so transferring in Oh, you know, that kind of thing. Um, but there's agreements with some coaches, Tarek, um, I understand you have to do your job. And if you have enough information, um, just give me a heads up. That's yeah. all I ask. And I go, okay, you got it. I will always text you or call you. This is happening. And I'm, I'm publishing this thing tomorrow. So, and some coaches so for some programs that heads up is really important because it can help them prepare. Like they'll tell their parents, something's going to happen or right. there's a, a, they can, they can dole down the, uh, the reaction factor. If some the powers that be or their parents or what have you kind of know ahead of time, you know, uh, SB Live or the Daily News or the L.A. Times is going to have an article tomorrow. This is what it's going to be about. Be prepared for that. You know, yeah. OK. You know, and, and so coaches tend to be OK with that. Man, a lot of great information. I think a lot of people see the media as, um, like you said, just reporting. But there's a lot more care, responsibility. And oh, yeah. Action to what you do. And so. I think it's great just for for people who do follow you and listen to you to hear this side of it. Like, would you actually have to do the work that you do behind the scenes and, um, you know, to let you know if they want you to break news is tell, you know, show up to the game two hours early. And well, then... <laughs> well, I'll sh and I'll share one more thing that's really important. Um, sometimes there are stories that I'm working on and um, coaches don't want to talk to the media. And I would say player, parent, coach, I'm looking in the camera and I'm not being subjective because I'm a media member. That is bad. That is not the right way to go. Mm. Because what happens is when media is on a story and there's enough to run the story, it always makes it a better story if I have every point of view on the record included in the story. Right. So when someone reads it, they can read it from all angles, an objective story, and then make their own conclusion. That is their job of a reporter. Here are the facts. That's how it should be. You know, 
life no, we're, we're life in talk tw- about that life, side, life right? in 2023 <laughs> is a little different with regards to how much information out there and how m- misinformation and and how media members and journalism you know you have like entities that don't go through this process that's right. what i'm trying to get at yeah. and so m- every process for me at least is getting as much information on one piece of paper per se on an article get it out there let the re- let the reader d- decide for themselves however there are times where i'm calling coach i'm calling coach i'm calling coach He's not answering. He's not picking up. He's avoiding me. Well, what happens is the train ana- analogy. Well, this 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 thing's going to publish whether you're in it or not. Right. And so I would always encourage people to speak to the media because your uh, your voice will be in the story. You don't want a story written about you or your program without your voice in it. Now I can write whatever I want. Now I'm not saying I'm going to write my opinion in it and bash you. But if there's if there's a story and your your piece is not you know what you have to say your angle is not in there now you have no voice so I always recommend hey talk to the media and get your side of things in the story 100%. because if they're not in there you have and you're not answering phone calls well then you have no one to blame but yourself 100 percent the other side of this I think um, a lot of parents especially younger ones going where their kids younger going into high school they believe that the media, your type of media reporting, sports reporting helps with exposure and yes. recruiting. And so what is your, you know, what's your take on how you help with recruiting and exposure in that area when it comes to, you know, getting college scholarships? So it's a great question. Um, there have been some pieces I've written. Um, one example is a, a kid named Chase Martin. He played football at Thousand Oaks last year. Uh, I mean, this kid was unreal linebacker running back and like the epitome of a football player and then you go out and see this kid he's like 6 1 220 i mean he's like this dude is a, a scholarship athlete which level i don't know um there was another one at saint francis and i can't think of his name a quarterback um but i would write these stories about these kids where it's like hey here there are some football is a, is a great example because in, in basketball, there's AAU. In football, right. there's really no, I mean, there's seven on seven, but it's like, uh, is that really football? I would argue no. You can show your skills, but you're not hitting anybody. So in football, you really just, you, you are only tasked with the season you can play. Right. So when you get an athlete that is doing everything they possibly can in their power, what more else can you want from them? So when I look at Chase Martin, for example, from Thousand Oaks last year, he's playing football games at the highest level, varsity football, at a good level, not like modern day or Bosco, but he's outstanding in those games. Double-digit tackles, running for three touchdowns. I mean, he's the best player on the field every time he plays. So I would go – it's an example. I I went out and wrote a story on him, and I'm not at all taking credit, but I do think – I do know that – uh, football coaches, uh, college football coaches, college football assistant coaches, they, they follow me yeah. and they read coverage. And I think what it does is it doesn't necessarily, oh, wow, Tarek wrote about this kid, so I'm going to offer him a scholarship. No, that's not what I'm saying. It's, oh, hey, um, here are all these kids' accomplishments on one sheet of paper. Yeah. See what I'm saying? Recruiting, oh, a recruiting report. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Let me, oh, wow, he made this many tackles. He ran for this many touchdowns. Oh, wow, they're, they're eight and no. Oh, and he's like, oh, his GPA is 3.8, things like that. So I think when there are pieces I write like that, um, more so like, hey, this player is under the radar. Maybe college coaches should be looking at him. 
I think there, I think there are moments where that does help. Um, and I think, you know, Chase Martin ended up going to Boise State. Am I the reason he went to Boise State? Absolutely not. I take no credit for it. However, I do think I was able to provide him a little more exposure yes. um, that got his name a little more out there because he did not have a Boise State offer um, at the beginning of the year. And then towards the end of the year, he did start accumulating some offers. So um, there's there's plenty of stories like that. Oh, that's awesome. And I, once again, I want to highlight that this kid had already done the work and was already producing results. Exactly. It wasn't built on hype. Exactly. And I think a lot of kids, especially in the basketball space, right? They want to be built on hype. I've literally had parents who've reached out to me and say, hey, can you send this to Tarek and, mm. and media and post this? And I'm like, he hasn't even played a high school game yet. Yeah. What are we, why are you trying to build hype on something? Like if he produces on the court, believe me, Tarek's on the yeah. who he is. Yep. He's going to get posts about him. And I want the parents to trust the process and the, the training and development and the being a student athlete and the high GPA. Those are the things that are going to get you exposure. Those are the things that are going to get the media to cover you is the work at the end of the day. The, the best, the, the prime example right now, and I'm just, you know, I, I know we're creeping up on basketball season, but, um, you know, it's not bad to say we are recording this during football season right now is St. John Bosco, the number one team in the country that just beat modern day 28-0. They've got a quarterback named Caleb Sanchez. Didn't start until this year. And he's, he's out. A senior? Yes outstanding player he's i i just and i just got done writing a story about how his loyalty and patience just got paid off because we got a kid that sat for three years learned developed got, and did everything in his power to get himself ready to be a starting quarterback his senior year at saint john bosco the defending national high school football champions okay and now they're the number one team in the country this guy goes out on a friday night and beats modern day 28-0 Big time. Now everyone's on Caleb Sanchez. Wow. Not only did he wait and, and, and that endears coaches nowadays, nowadays. I mean, wow, a loyal kid, a nice kid, a good family that stuck it out. I just wrote in, in the story I wrote, his mom and dad wanted him to transfer. They didn't like watching him not play. Man. Let's think about transferring. Caleb Sanchez says, no, I want to stay. And, and he got to reap all the rewards. And right now, I can guarantee you. He will be a scholarship player somewhere. somewhere. And it's all because he just stayed the course. And of course, he has the talent. Right. You can't just stay the course, be a senior, and think, oh, well, where's my scholarship now? You got to be good. <laughs> yes. And that there's some truth to that. Man, that's awesome to hear. Another story of someone staying somewhere, sticking with it, and their dreams coming true. Absolutely. In the last moment in. It's really that's the start of his career, right? If he's Absolutely. a college level player to, in football, you have to stay for three years, right? You got, you have to go and play in college, and then getting that free education and the opportunities that come after that, he's already prepared to do it again. Yes, in he is college. And hear that, parents. Like, yeah, no, that, it's that's the route. They, that, they should heed heed that message because I'm telling you, what is so short sighted about transferring over and over again. Now we just, you know, I don't, I transferred in high school. I did, but the circumstances were different. I didn't, I didn't transfer for basketball. I talked to you about how I, um, I came to Christ and I just felt like a, like Hillcrest Christian was better for me, um, spiritually than, than Crespi Carmelite high school. And basketball was kind of the whipped cream on top, but a lot of, and, 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 and,
every circumstance is different. However, there are circumstances where the grass seems to always be greener every time you transfer. And I think it's so short-sighted because if you really look at the development of your child's spirit, your child's mindset, man, that the waiting, the working, and that it paying off is going to be a life lesson that's going to serve your young person way more than transferring to another school just so they can throw touchdowns or average 20 points a game. Because in what world do you get to the business world or the professional world? I'm not talking about sports now. And you go up and you go and you go, hey, boss, I don't like that corner cubicle. I want to move. I want to go to the window cubicle. That boss is going to go, yeah, get out of my office. (laughs) Right. Right. No one can just up and leave. It doesn't work like that. You've got to work for a promotion. You've got to work for the better office location, whatever the case may be. And so that's a lesson I think uh, Caleb Sanchez at St. John Bosco was learning tenfold. Uh, and he might not even know it yet. Right. Right. Well, it sounded like he did because his parents even wanted him to move. In. Mm-hmm. He understood something deeper inside of him that, well, he, hey. he had trust in the program. Um, yeah. But yeah, no, it, it's, it's, no, you're nailing. And yes. that's the thing. It, it depends on the program. It yes. depends on the coach. It depends no on question. the circumstance 100%. But like you're saying, if there's, you know, the grass isn't always green. It isn't. Let's just say that. Yeah, 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 yeah. Your top four sports reporters of all time. Remember, yeah. My Rushmore, so yours. Yeah, yeah. My, my Mount Rushmore of kind of sports personalities. I think the ones that come to mind are like Howard Cosell and Bob Costas and, and guys like that. But for me, the number, not in any particular order, I, I do think of Stephen A. Smith. I've always appreciated not only, there are media members, I think, that are on there um, on TV or on radio and I'm not even so sure they believe what they're saying. <laughs> they're you know what talking. I mean? It's just, it's just like, I'm going to, I'm going to have this take because it's going to create, um, it's going to create conversations. Of, and, right. and, I, and I get that's the nature of the business sometimes. Yeah. And I'm not saying Stephen A. Smith has never done that, but I do believe that when he speaks, I do think he's, he believes what he's saying. So when he right. has a hot take, I do believe like he thinks that. Right. So I like Stephen A. Smith and, and I'm reading through his book, his, um, his his life story he you know and and just his family and where he his humble beginnings and stuff so i truly admire where he's gotten to from where he started so Stephen a smith Smith. for sure i think my really my radio idol growing up was colin cowherd yeah so colin cowherd for me big time just his his rants and what i learned from him actually he has great analogies so he'll be like um dak prescott is like a cup of coffee you know, he, yeah. uh, you know, is it too hot? Is it cold? Do you put a little milk in it? You know, what are you going to get with Dak Prescott? But he can be, you know, he always comes up with ways. You could not be a sports fan, but if you're listening to one of his hits and he's using an analogy, it's so general. Anyone could go, oh, okay, I can relate to that because he's, he's analogies are just so good. Yeah. So love the analogy and the, and the illustrations he uses. So we got Stephen A. Smith, Colin Cowherd. Um, I think the other one for me might actually be Joe Buck. So okay. Joe Buck wouldn't be a media personality or a um, reporter or journalist. He's, I think, the best play-by-play guy out there. Yeah. And Joe Buck, Buck does Super Bowls. He does World Series. Um, an- another guy, I read his book, and that's a guy whose father, Jack Buck, was a legendary broadcaster for the St. Louis Cardinals and did World okay. Series and stuff. So Joe Buck is a guy that is in broadcast and everyone just thinks he's there because of his dad. 
Um, and you don't just do Super Bowls and World Series right, just because your last name is Buck. Like right. you clearly are good. Yeah. And I think you, when you get to a certain level, Todd, whatever genre or workspace you're in, when you get to a certain level, when you're at the top, people want to tear you down. Yeah. So every time I see hate on Joe Buck, that's just because he's the best. Yes. That's what being the best is. 100%. And so I'm like, 100%. You're, only, you're only saying he's the best by hating on him. It, it's the same thing I think with like LeBron. People want to tear down LeBron. Why? Well, you're putting him in that elk of conversation because... He's the best. He's that, that good. And yes. I don't want to, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to, I don't want to jump out of bounds here. So I no, got. We could go bait, but debate, but go uh, ahead. Yeah, yeah. So we got, so we got Colin Cowherd, Stephen A. Smith, um, Joe Buck. And let me going to round up. Yeah, let me, let me think. I, you know, I, there's a, there's a couple different ones, man. Um, I can't think of a fourth guy, but I will say, God, I, I want to say Bill Plaschke. I, I'm going to go Bill Plaschke. Um, and that people are going to be like, oh, my gosh, why? Bill's columns are amazing. Really? And let me tell you why. Because he can say so much in a sm small amount of words. Uh, so when it comes to writing clear and concisely, he can say this much in this many words. Wow. And that's why his columns are so good. So I, I like him from around the horn. Yeah, no, so and, he's, he... and, he, and he's around the horn. But yeah, he, you know, L.A. Times columnist. So he gets he gets to he gets to write his opinion, yeah. which is that is the ultimate job in sports media, especially for writing. Being able to write your opinion is probably one of the best positions you can have. You can go watch a game, go watch, uh, you know. Justin Herbert from the Chargers throw four interception, then you can just slam them the next day. You know, yeah. and I'm not saying that's why you do it, but you can really, you have the credibility to write your opinion. And I always respect that. And I always say the columnist, the, the hardest part in my opinion, because I, I write high school's columns. I've written some really opinionated, edgy high school columns about transferring and things like that. And the biggest challenge with writing a column is you can't just write an opinion and um, not take accountability for it. Yes. So you have to be able to write it and then defend it. Yes. And that's what's important. So you write a. So Bill Plasky has the gumption and the uh, cojones per se to write a column that is damning to a program, coach, or player, and then he'll show up to the press conference that week. It's not like you don't right. see him for the next three months. No, we're going to talk about exactly. It. So and 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 he's he's willing to go face to face with controversial things and i i've always respected that so yeah. let's throw awesome. plashki on there all right I yeah yeah so my four my four so i don't have as much experience and end up like research and understanding as you do right mine are more just like the ones who jump off the screen okay. and and uh you know that i i just connected with and so no order uh Stuart scott oh just yeah the, yeah the injection yeah of hip-hop into sports media for me was everything man and his just swagger and everything legendary for me as cool um, as the other side of the pillow that, exactly that was my favorite one yeah 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 exactly and um yeah Stuart scott two is actually on the inside the nba cast they're all hilarious right ernie oh yeah ernie johnson ernie johnson just holds it down yeah man. he does he really keeps those guys yeah <laughs> as wild as they get he keeps them he keeps everything focused and you still get the basketball and he's the one just moderating everything and the respect I have for him to be able to sit there between all the silliness. Well, and... he, he he's the epitome of a host. So his job's to get the show where it needs to go. So yes, he, he does a very good job. That's a lot of 
personalities to maintain. Man, yes, yes. <laughs> and then, uh, so I don't know if this is going to count as one or both, but it's the third one on my mind. It's Max and Marcellus. Oh, they yeah, used yeah. To do radio on 710, man. Oh, my gosh, man. I could listen to them all day long. Um, Max is, you, you actually remind me of Max a little bit. Oh, man. I, I love Max and, Kellerman, and, man. And, uh, Very articulate dude. Yes. Uh, uh, um, Ivy League educated guy. Good with numbers, very smart. Yeah, yeah. Max is he's close. He's not on my obviously not on my Mount Rushmore, but he he's probably like in my top ten. I yeah. I, I I used to love that show. Great mix of kind of and Marcellus Ivy League guy too. Yep. So yeah, very exactly. very high intellect show, but where they were able to ca- kind of like casually present it to you. It was great. Yes. Great show. No, absolutely. So yeah, that that's my mountain actually is, is those four now. Okay. Max and Marcellus. Uh, they were show. Okay. We'll count them as one. The other one is actually Ramona Shelburne. Oh, okay, yeah. When she, it was just when I don't know. I guess I got into just reading articles and dropping media, you know, free agency. And when she was doing the Lakers, like just the way she covered the Lakers, to me, it was just like, man, like she was on it. It was just a, a the professional side yeah. of it. And, and uh, Ramona's great. Um, I've gotten to know her over uh, over the last probably five or six years of my career, and super supportive and super super friendly person. That's Ramona's the prime example of talking to people like they're human first. Yeah. Um, and and I, I've taken pride on that, uh, Todd. And 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 that's that that that's a really good person that you bring up is Ramona Shelburne because I think even though you're still trying to do your job, you're dealing with people first. Yeah. And so I'll talk, hey coach, how's your family doing? Hey coach, oh ha, 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 I saw this on Instagram. You know, how's your son doing in Pop Warner? You know. A lot of reporters aren't like that. It's, right. hey, I just want the information and, okay, talk to you later, you know. So um, there have been coaches that I've gotten to know and actually become, you know, friends with over the decade of covering high school sports because of something like Ramona where she's kind of like person first yeah. and then we're going to find a way where I can do my job as well. It's a dangerous game because if uh, if things go wrong, you have to do your job. But, <laughs> right. um, yeah, that's that's a great that's a great four. But it developed, four and a half, I don't know. Yeah, four, yeah. Yeah, yeah, four, four shows or yeah, yeah, yeah. spaces. Um, but I, I think what you're saying is so important just for life, man. And it's connecting with people because they're people. I saw it, Mike. It was, this is when I moved back to California in 2007. And my best friend, we went to go eat. And he saw just how I was treating people. Mm. And it was actually wrong. It was very service-based. Like, I'm, I'm a huge customer service dude. Like, I hate going to restaurants and, like, customer service is bad. Yeah, yeah. But how I communicated that back mm. at that time was probably it was just the wrong way to wasn't okay. reflective of my true character and who I really want to be. And he called me. I was like, dude, you're a jerk. Like you're a straight a-hole to these people. <laughs> he said, you're a crazy. Like you have to treat everybody with kindness. I don't care. Like, sure. Who did who did you become when you moved to Kansas? Like sure. he like checked me. And I was like, whoa. And then I started watching him and how he like there's a difference. Yeah. They, they, people like these are people. They're not a job that they do. Mm-hmm. And regardless of anything that goes on in our life and our, what our, our um, you know, with the things that we want or whatever it is, is that no, these are people first, man. Absolutely. So ask how you're doing. How's your day going? Just little stuff like that can carry you so far. And then when you do have to say, hey, like my fork or you, hey, you got my order wrong. There's like, oh, I'm so sorry. Yeah. There's a little more care. And, and absolutely. And yeah. So, oh, yeah. No, I've. I, one of my one of my go to gripes with with uh, restaurants, and not necessarily a particular, but if I ever see something that's wrong, I always ask the manager, and I always say this: I say, "Sir or ma'am, 
I noticed this and I think it would be a disservice mm. to your restaurant and the way you are trying to do things if I didn't share with you my experience today. And it 10 out of 10 times gets an ear. Yeah. It, it, they want to hear that because they want to be better. But yeah, yeah. It, but then there's also those people that come in there and just yell and throw stuff. And right. that, that accomplishes zero. Zero. No, it gets you on world star hip hop or something. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like, what, yeah, what are we yeah, doing? yeah, yeah. All right. This is one more question for you. Sure. What is your perfect breakfast burrito? Oh, man. You know, I've been on the journey to find the perfect breakfast burrito. I found some good ones out there. Um, before I go into my perfect one, I do want to explain the two. There's two different burritos. Yeah. On a bait, you know, there's a million burritos, but two kind of genres of breakfast burritos. Okay. There is the all American style breakfast burrito, which is your base, like hash, uh, hash browns, eggs, sausage, bacon, cheese. Like imagine like an all American breakfast yep. wrapped into a tortilla. Okay. Then there's the Mexican style breakfast burrito, which is generally with chorizo, salsa, cheese, you know, potatoes, th things of that nature. You're getting a good headshake from Korea. Yeah. It's, 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 that's her kind of burrito. Well, <laughs> listen, m most people that didn't grow up on cheeseburgers and ketchup, they're going to be like, yeah, give me the Mexican style breakfast burrito. Right. But there are people out there that they're into the, the plain stuff. Hey, more power to them. <laughs> I'm more of definitely the Mexican style breakfast burrito. So for me, chorizo has to be in there. Um, but the difference is, uh, if you're asking me for my perfect breakfast burrito, chorizo, potatoes that are crispy for texture when you need a little crunch in there. I would even argue you can go hybrid, okay? Here, bear with, now you're asking me for the perfect one. I'm going to go chorizo and tater tots because the tater tots give you that hot potato eat with the crunch, right? Um, got to get salsa in there. Got to get cheese. I think... Um, if you can maybe add some type of like, there's one more crunch element. So whether it be like, maybe like, pe like pepper or like scallions or like chili, like something a little like some kind of some kind of, some kind of sprinkle uh, like crisp in there yeah. uh, can generally get the job done. And I think a lot of a lot of details in the tortilla. So some people will just kind of just yeah like cold tortilla or not even cold but like room temperature tortilla right. kind of out of the pack right the bag, yeah. and just boom, boom, boom and it could be this great inside but man i need a little like throw it on the throw it on the hot surface for a little bit get a little get a little warm or maybe even throw it over an open flame to get a little yeah. crisp on it but uh for me the chorizo has to be in the burrito um there's i gotta give you one example there's a super popular breakfast burrito place in burbank called corner cottage everyone yeah. raves about it I went there and rated that thing like a five. Whoa. Oh, I went the other way with it. It's basically like a, like scalloped potatoes in a burrito. It's super, it? super <laughs> potato-y, super dry. People rave, rave and rant about it. Not What's been your highest ranked burrito so far? I've only, so of course I have to give kudos to Dave Portnoy from Barstool Sports. He does the pizza reviews. And so that's why I was like, huh, like, let me, let me figure out something fun I can do. And it was during the pandemic. So real quick, this is the origin of the breakfast burrito reviews. We're during the pandemic. We're bored. Nothing's going on. I'm talking about the whole world. And um, my, my friend, Aram Talegian, he just tweets out like, there's no good breakfast burritos in this world. Like there's just none. And I'm just like, you're crazy. Watch me go. <laughs> so I started on this kind of journey to find good breakfast burrito reviews. And I was kind of just being funny. Right. But they create, it's like food and music, man. They're the two things for the most part that bring people together. It doesn't matter your color, creed, whatever, the, food, music, like people can always find common denominator on those things. 
And so I was just so shocked at the fun dialogue that was created out of biting a breakfast burrito, showing the inside of it and saying what I thought of it and giving it a grade out of 10. And so um, like Dave Portnoy, I don't think he's ever given a 10. That's okay. the whole, that's like, I wouldn't call it the secret sauce, but like I've been, I've done dunk contests. I've been a dunk contest uh, judge. Right. I, I don't think I've ever given a 10 my whole yeah, I'm I'm that guy. Oh man. A 10? Like you're telling me like that's to me, tens are almost unachievable. That's like a 10 is like it's perfect. There's no such thing. So uh a kid would have to go crazy, or at least leave the tens for like the final rounds or something. Right, right, right. There's guys like first dunk and he goes off the backboard. It's like 10. It's like, oh my gosh. So with the breakfast burrito, I, I'm I don't think I've given anything over like a I think I've given a nine one, like a nine three. Those okay. are like my highest. So we're for me, a good breakfast burrito is anything above seven and a half and anything in the eights is yeah. really good. And there's probably about a handful or half a dozen of those, a lot of sixes and sevens. And then there's a few like four and five, which are just like horrible. Oh, man. Yeah. Yeah. You uh, don't want to try any of those. The one I suggested to you, Athenian Grill. Oh, oh that, I think that was like a mid that sevens. Is, yeah. No, that. I might even, it might have been in a low eight. Yeah. No, I think it was an eight one or something oh, yeah, like yeah, that. Yeah. Was, yeah. It, it no, is... Athenian Grill was solid. And that, um, actually, funny you said that is, um, that burrito, if I'm not mistaken, is more of an all-American all style American, sausage yes. egg. But see, but there's a little bit of there's like a little bit of. I like, have to try the Mexican. I'll, I'll be honest. I've never really done the Mexican style bur breakfast burrito, and I apologize. Yeah. I'm sorry. I guess we're gonna have to cut this right now. No. <laughs> um, yeah, man. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a couple spots. The chorizo, it's like you just can't go wrong. That, that's my opinion. So, so what is chorizo? So I'm, it's I'm, basically sausage. Oh, it's like it's okay. like it's like ground up sausage. I mean, that's oh, okay, like the cool. best way to describe okay. it. But it's got a little spice to it. Okay. What people have issue with it is it can be a little greasy. So you can it's a little messy. Okay. But hey, that's what a breakfast burrito. But you're but you're it's flavor, <laughs> man. Flavor, real flavor. Awesome, awesome. All right, we're gonna flip the script. This is the part of the show where you are the interviewer. Yeah. Now. Two questions for me. Anything in the world? I I I think you are so involved in the youth of this game uh that is basketball what to you uh is the hardest part of not just teaching these kids but trying to share with them that they do have to exude patience that there's patience in this game that we live in such a microwave society where little freshman johnny and his parents think they should be the varsity starting point guard and you're there going, hey, you need to work on X, Y, and Z, and um, time will allow you to get on the court. How do you have that conversation? What are some things you say to parents and players that so they can understand that that's what they're in for? So at this point, I want to talk about where how it is at this point and where I started. At this point, I've done it so many times that I can show examples of kids who were patient and had waited their time. and just trusted the process and kids who you wouldn't expect to be college level players that did become college level players right with with my middle school program i get them young and i'm teaching them the attributes or you know the, i guess the skills and the mindset they need to reach that goal it's like hey you got to work every day and they're in the gym with literally the top middle schoolers probably in the area and so they see their competition every day and they know how much harder they're going or how much more work those other kids are doing. And so we surround them in an environment to see what does it look like to get to where you're going. And 
how and, and it also shows them how much they can get better in an amount of time. Every there's like during the school year, right? There's three months. Every three months, you see this big jump in kids. Mm. Just every three months. And so that's what I show in say. their game. And oh yeah. Got 100%. it. In their game, their maturity, mm. their physicality, and especially in middle school, they're all hitting puberty. Okay. And so everything is jumping, right? So we'll take we'll take a Sky Clark. I have him in sixth grade. Super talented. He's actually kind of chubby at the time. Sure. He's tall as a 10-year-old. He can dribble. He can do a little. But he wasn't Sky Clark that we know, right? Seventh grade Sky Clark got taller. Okay. Got Th- more Thinned fit. out a little bit. Got more fit. Not athletic. Not crazy athletic. Okay. I mean, he's athletic, but he hasn't, he hasn't woken up, right? His body hasn't woken up. Handles go crazy. Okay. He started working out with dribble too much and all these ball handling dudes. Handles are crazy. Okay. Eighth grade Sky Clark. Dunking with two hands, has every move in the book, um, plays a, a defender, like plays defense. And so you see even these high-level kids, man, look how much they've improved over time to get where they're at. Okay. Right? And so now I just say, hey, look at Sky. This is what he did. I literally have Sky's report from seventh right. grade. little he, photo of him. like Not even a photo. Oh. It's actually his blueprint. Okay. It was me and his dad went over, hey, we want Sky to be Team USA. We want him to play in the EYBL. Um, this is the school he wants to go to. Now, most of it happened in high school. He right. got invited to every single camp that sure. we that we had written down. He got every college offer that he really wanted. Now, you know, COVID happened, things changed, moved to Tennessee, all this other stuff. Still, still his plan worked out. I'm like, look, we wrote it on paper. And then I showed them what they have to do to get there mm-hmm. and give the parents the education to understand what the process looks like. I've been able to work with NBA players. They, I asked them, hey, what did you do? Oh, this is what I did. I have the blueprint for you to get to where you're going to go. So now I just show examples of kids who've Good. done it, and they kind of just listen. So it just speaks for itself. And Good I tell you, they get in the gym with me. Hey, I'm in the gym at 6 a.m. Everybody knows that in the world. <laughs> I'm in the gym at 6 a.m. You want to get your work, and you got to wake up. I don't. I've, I haven't trained in the afternoon in three years. Okay. I train in the morning. Before school. Before school. Five, my, first, my first clients are at 5.15 a.m. Okay, all the way in Santa Monica right now. And so they know that too. It's like you you have to give up something. You have to sacrifice something. And it's not sleep that I'm asking you to give up. I'm asking you to give up the Instagram stories that you're on from 9 to 10.30 yeah, at night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The yeah. 2K that you're playing all the night. Till 2 a.m. Yeah, yeah. Give yeah. that up. Get more sleep and wake up and let's get this work in. And so showing them the plan and actually being in the gym with them. And then so before now, it would... It was hard. Okay. It's still hard, right? For a person who isn't coming through my program or that I'm connected with to give them advice where they would listen, it is literally why we do this show. Okay. So they can hear from professionals who do this on a daily basis what it takes to get to that next level. It is all the hard work. It is understanding process and hey, your kid's gonna be good, but wait your turn. I had I could probably just tell this story. Ben Schultzberg. Mm-hmm. Okay? Yeah. He's at University of Santa Barbara. You see Santa Barbara now, right? In seventh grade, he didn't play on our middle school team at Heritage. He didn't play that much. Okay. He didn't play that much. I had kids who were just better than him in seventh grade. He took it as a chip on his shoulder. Coach Todd didn't play me. Okay. I found this out later when he like, sure, like sure. me and Ben are great. Okay. Like, his dad kind of told me this story. Um, This is when he first committed to Creighton, when he Uh-oh. went to Creighton right out of um, high school. He was like, thank you for not playing him. 
And I don't know if it was a slight or not. I didn't really care because me and Ben are cool and it right. him get to where he's going. But it was this. It was like, yeah, he wasn't good yet. I could see the potential in him, but I'm going to play the best players. Right. All of eighth grade, he locked himself in the gym. He got with a great trainer with Dash. Okay. And since he's just been locked in ever okay. since. And so, cool. If that's how I have to show you, yeah. then that's how I have to show you as well. But it, creating that chip on kid's shoulder is what it's really about, I think. I think some, some coaches... Um... Some coaches will tell you if they if they have to motivate their players by their players playing in spite of them, sometimes that's what it takes. Yes. And maybe 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 there's a sliver of that where you know I, I was given a dose of reality. I thought I was better. I was told I you know I basically wasn't uh, guys were better than me. At least that's what I was told. I didn't play, but I'm gonna take that chip and I'm gonna yes. I'm gonna actually play in spite of that because I want to prove you wrong. Now th that can get toxic. But there's an element of that that can actually be pretty healthy. Yes. No, 100. If you're, if you're saying, hey, you're not good enough, but I'm going to help you get better, that's where it comes in is that I never leave a kid out to hand like, oh, man, you're, you suck. No, I, I actually, <laughs> a lot of coaches hate it. I have this gift of seeing the development of somebody and seeing the potential that they have and telling coaches, okay, don't sleep. Okay. Don't like stick with that at, kid. You're yeah, looking yeah. at him right now. Hey. His dad is six eight. Okay. His dad's six four. Yeah, yeah. He works really hard. He eats the right way. He is focused. Please just be patient. There you we go. have we have a kid who is like who's right there, right? And I'm not going to mention him yet because he's in the process of it and he's going to be the success story. Is that the first college to recruit him is a Pac-12 school, and he's a junior. Well, it didn't start off low. It's because he just been putting the work in okay. slowly, slowly showing up every day doing everything he's supposed to do eats the right way reads the books that i give him doesn't really listen to crazy music listen okay. to motivational speakers he has the blueprint first school to recruit him is a pac-12 that's awesome you know so that that's where it's just because i've seen it and been through it so many times i guess and so now i just hope the parents listen and hope they listen to people who i bring on the show it's like hey i don't know everything but You've been around the block, right? You know the people I'm bringing on the show are around the block. So my my I got, my second question for you is all the all the training you do um, with with these kids, like uh, when they're doing when they're working on their ball handling or shots, the, the drilling of it. Is there? Um, I don't know if this is the, how to answer ask this, but I find sometimes when kids are being drilled too much, they basically turn into robots. Yes, and they get into a game. Uh, and it's like, man, there's no feel, uh, or man, they're really not that good. And, um, you have those players. I, 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 there's a couple, I can't think of a couple names, but I can think of a couple circumstances where you could watch a kid work out and you're like, oh my gosh, like this kid's like a workout pro. Yeah. He's only 17. He doesn't miss a shot. He's, he's, he's polished. And then you get him in a game. It's like, where did all that go? So my question for you is how? How do you find a way to blend the drilling and the feel? Yes. Talk about that. 100%. So uh, there's a difference from skills trainer and player developer. Mm. And so just like you gave us that, that you know, between a, a, a journalist and a sports reporter, sure. there's a difference from a skills trainer. I could teach skills. So I'm a, I'm a skills trainer by trade, but I'm a player developer by profession, if okay. that makes sense. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I learn how to skill develop, but I actually develop players and i'm talking about the holistic approach to a player mentally physically emotionally spiritually like we are invested into these kids how we do it is from chris johnson so chris johnson has yep. created this system inside of his training that is very 
very just like game applicable okay day okay one. okay so right now in the beginning of the year we we skill train i'm teaching you footwork i'm teaching you how to do the move with the concept of having an iq why do we attack these spots why do we attack certain positions then as they get the if they after they master the footwork piece of it then we put a shadow defender on you okay just like a boxer has a shadow sure sure that's what it is we put a shadow boxer so you know hey when a guy's playing me on my shoulder this is how i should attack the room when a guy is closing out to the right side this is how i should attack and then we rep those moves out with the shadow defense so in a game it's game applicable okay immediately and so that's how we do it we mix it up and then we play Anything we teach, we're going to play for the last 15, 20 minutes of a workout, no matter what, especially in middle school. It's like, no, we're going to uh, apply what you learn and let you play, let you make mistakes with it, right? Get your reps in. Yeah, yeah, And yeah, so yeah. everything is connected to be game applicable. There's nothing we do. We do two ball drills sure, just because sure, sure. that, that connects the brain. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Nothing else we do, we do personally, is like, I'm gonna use the word gimmicky. Yeah. But we don't do any gimmicky things because I believe we can translate real basketball stuff to the floor with how we do it and get the reps in. Yeah, yeah. You know, the gimmicky stuff is sometimes it's I mean, some of it's way over the top. I I always think to myself, I guess, like if okay, now if I'm trying to defend it or if I see gimmicky stuff, I'm like, what is this guy? I guess what people are trying to accomplish is that I, I can no matter what, no matter what I need to do with the ball. I'll be able to do it. I don't like, I, yes. okay. If you need me to like juggle uh, some pool balls while I'm back, it's like, I guess the objective is to just create as much comfortability as possible with the ball. But it's like, how do it, it, it's, it's, I feel like it's a reach. So th this is more recent in core, you know, we have a fresh bunch of kids that come in every year. We're doing finishes right now. Okay. We start off literally jump stop, right hand jump stop step around step through post like finishes then we go two foot finishes then we go one foot finishes then we go to euro steps we progress it sure sure in sure. the order it's supposed to go and it's supposed to progress it right the kids do euro steps better than they can finish off the oh seat. my gosh i can only imagine it was yeah. ridiculous like we just started they're, euro they're steps, all james harden and just, uh, <laughs> yeah like and it's I'm all like yo how, you couldn't even finish a two foot finish off crazy. a jump stop yet yeah last week which what is crazy and they're they're we're progressing wrong and okay. this is why this is why European basketball is catching up. It's catching up. They progress the kids. The level of the rim when they shoot, the skills that they work on. Now, for my really advanced kids who've been through core for I got a kid right now who's a freshman. He was in core for four years, right? He did three years and a reclass year. Okay. Kid is there's nothing, there's no skill he can learn from anybody. Okay. He knows the he knows the bag, right? The things that I work with him on, they're not gimmicky. But they are so he can get to every spot on the court yeah. like Kyrie. Like, the, like, why not? If he knows all the fundamentals of the game already, now I'm going to advance. I'm like, yeah, we're going to do what we're going to replicate what Steph Curry and Kyrie do with understanding in the context of the game. Right, right, when right. When do right. you use this? Hey, you're probably going to use this move twice a game, maybe. Right, right, you, right. But we're going to work on it just, just to keep you interested and to have your foot, feet be able to access anything you want. At, at any time, you can do X. Yeah, exactly. yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, that's that's kind of my my mindset on it um and it works i this is our ninth year of core and 25 college athletes bunch in high school on their way man it's like and it's the kids though they listen because there's a bunch of kids there's out of those 25 who are there i think there's we have we've had 40 kids who've graduated 
high school at this point now or, or something around there, something around there. But 25 of them are in college. Okay. There's 15 who didn't because they weren't locked in. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> They weren't focused. They weren't listening. They didn't follow the blueprint or they found something else in life. We sure. have actors and business owners and great stuff like that too. But for the ones who wanted basketball, they didn't follow the blueprint. So, Congratulations to yeah. you, man. Core Thank prep. You, man. I know. It's, it's amazing. <laughs> it's amazing. No, I appreciate it. Um, that's the show. Hard. Hey, man. man. My pleasure, man. We covered a lot today. No. Yeah, man. Freaking amazing. Yeah, thanks, thanks for, for having me on. on. Had a lot of fun. Uh, so you have a 24-second shot clock. That's your camera. Let the people know where to find you or oh. any encouraging or inspirational thing that you want to say. Sure. Uh, yeah. No, hey, Tarek Patel from SB Live High School Sports Reporter. You can find me on Twitter, Tarek, T-A-R-E-K underscore Fatel, F-A-T-T-A-L. Sometimes on Sundays, well, most of the time on Sundays, Channel 2. We come on at 3 or 4 o'clock, do a little bit of TV as well. But for that, uh, that's pretty much it. A little bit of a media guy and uh, having a lot of fun covering these high school athletes and dabbling in some college and pro stuff too on the weekends. Awesome, man. Thank you for coming. Thank on you. The show. Thank you. All right. We'll see you guys next time. Peace.